If you have a Bible, turn um, just to the book of Acts, just for a moment. Acts chapter 1 and Acts 2. So Acts 1 verse 8 reads, uh, it's, it's a well-known, we, we read it, if you were here this morning, we, we read it together this morning, but Acts 1 8, verse 7, just to get a bit of context. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. That's so well known. We're a Pentecostal church, and in Pentecostal churches, that's read out again and again and again. It can be so well known that we can just forget certain things. They can sort of whoosh over our heads, and we're just going to come back to that in a moment or two. And then in chapter 2, sometime later, it says, And when the day of Pentecost had come, today's Pentecost Sunday, where we celebrate the coming of the Spirit to the church. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came a, from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared on, on them tongues of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in, with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And now well, there were... Um, Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation up, up under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came to, um, to gather and were bewildered because of what each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Um, they were amazed and marveled, saying, Why are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? In other words, Galileans were just uneducated, general working people not educated in all the languages of the world. And the languages of the world were being, you know, um, ir- um, uh, ir- um, uh, from parts of like Iran, people were hearing. Um, from Syria, people were hearing in their mother language. From places like Turkey and from Rome in Latin, people were hearing the wonders of God in their, their own languages. And they were amazed. And now, it, um, in verse 8, it says, and now it, it, is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, that's, that's areas of North Africa, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, uh, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking the mighty deeds of God. And they were continued to be with amazement and were great perplexity. And then Peter stands up and says, look, you know, this is not wine that you're saying that we're, we're drunk, because was people saying that they were drunk. He goes on then to say that this is the promise of the prophet Joel, where the Holy Spirit now is poured out in these days upon all people. Everyone who calls on God's name will be saved in the name of God and the name of the Lord. And Peter shares this and says, what you're now seeing, hearing and experiencing, what we're experiencing is a fulfillment of this same spirit poured out on everyone when we're speaking out the wonders of God as we are filled with this power and energy and presence and purpose in God. And um, so the church was um, empowered. So uh, the, the question that, that uh, is, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why do we need it? Or do we need it? So I'm just going to just look at that just briefly, really, in, in the short time that we have. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but just, uh, just enough just to, to, to get an idea. And then you can read for yourself and maybe we can pray um, 
together as well. So what's the baptism of the Holy Spirit and why do we need it? Or the filling of the Spirit, why? Why would we need that? In Mark chapter 1, verse 8, in Mark 1, verse 8, so we're just going to look at a few things together. Um, John, said, uh, said, John said, I baptize you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It's Mark 1, 8. And um, John's speaking about the baptism that he's bringing. Jesus brings a baptism in the power of the Spirit for all people. It's by the Spirit that we'll be born again, not just a proselyte baptism, baptism with just water, but a baptism that will come also in the power of the Spirit of God. And that's what Jesus will do. It's from Jesus. It's be Jesus who, from Jesus, and, and that's what he will do. And um, it's interesting, he says it there, that it will be from Jesus. The, the filling of the Spirit is in the Spirit from Jesus and it points to Jesus. You know, we can have all sorts of experiences in life, some thrilling experiences, but it doesn't mean to say in spiritual experiences, but not every spiritual experience necessarily is a Jesus experience or points us. I know some people have had some amazing, caught up into all sorts of heavenly realms and have great visions, but then they're not followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, I've known some Christians, having, uh, I knew a group of Christians that were having visions and dreams and a, and a, a little boy in a house group was prophesying, giving and visions, and they were very accurate. And uh, um, this, this, uh, this home group, it was in another part of the country, it's not here, so don't worry, so I'm not talking about anyone here. And uh, in this home group, these visions and dreams, there's a little, a little boy coming up with some amazing things. And what happened is this home group got, went from 10 people to 20 people to 30 people to 40 people in this particular church. And what happened eventually, in the space of um, six months, a whole group of people left that church, about 40 people, and almost stopped following Jesus. They were following this little boy in his dreams. So not every experience, it, uh, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will always point us to Jesus, will honor Jesus, will glorify Jesus. And uh, but we understand the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus in Revelation 19, verse 10. So the filling of the Spirit um, will always point us towards Jesus. And so you hear people this morning testifying how they felt their Christian faith became stronger when they got filled with the Holy Spirit. They seemed to read their Bible uh, more. It, it seemed more dynamic. Jesus became more real. And we heard that from um, both Eddie and Becca in their different ways. were explaining their experience of being filled with the Spirit and how it made their Christian faith become a sense of more dynamic and alive, but gave them a love for Jesus, a, a love for the Word of God. They were reading and they were feeling and they were speaking about the Lord Jesus, telling others, the filling of the Spirit points us towards Jesus and honors Jesus all the time and comes uh, from it, baptized uh, by uh, uh, Jesus. The word to baptize literally means to be immersed. And um, there's this idea of being plunged. So the filling of the Spirit is an idea of being like immersed or plunged or soaked. And so uh, Louise uh, gave a word there about this idea of if you're dry, the dry ground, I don't know if the ground is dry, but uh, coming out a real sense of with the ground, the garden needs water. So we need the sense of the watering of the Spirit for our lives. And, um, you know, you can be a dry Christian and still read your Bible, come and pray and, and go to church, but you feel a bit worn out. You can feel a bit worn out, dried up. Uh, in 1994, I was only four years in a church. I came out of Bible college in 1990. By 1994, September 1994, I was praying this prayer. I just feel burnt out, dried up, Lord. In only four years. Now, you could say, well, well what were you doing, Adrian? We should have been reading your Bible. 
But, um, and I was. But, um, and uh, we had the opportunity to go to, to, to a place called Toronto at the time, because um, in, in sort of October 1994, and uh, my prayer on the way going over to Toronto at the time was, I'm so dried up, God. I'm like a, a shriveled up, dried, I don't like peas, I don't eat peas. But you know, you get these dried peas. We used to have them with pea shooters at school and just fire them at each other. But uh, I felt shriveled up like that, dried up. But so the, uh, the, the, the idea of being immersed, fully immersed in the presence of the Holy Spirit seems to just touch every part of our lives. And, you know, we, we, can, we can become used to the Holy Spirit. We can be, you can be dried up. People become impervious to the Holy Spirit. And they can believe in the Holy Spirit. And they believe in the baptism of the Spirit. And they believe in the power of the Spirit. And we can take it all for granted. In Pentecostal churches, a lot of Pentecostals that, that we could say, well, we're, we could be just as dried up because we know it and hear it. And it's, it goes woof over our head. So we need to be immersed and uh, we'll look at that, that, what that means in a moment or two. So what's the purpose, um, just briefly, in Acts 1.8, uh, Mark 1.8, Jesus says, John says, Jesus will come and baptize us. And uh, in Acts 1.8, interestingly, look at this, Acts 1.8, we just read it, it says there, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is power to be a witness. Just write that down as a bottom line because... Um, Speaking in tongues becomes a stumbling block for lots of people because if you don't speak in tongues, then they start to think, I haven't got the Holy Spirit. But that is not the case, necessarily. Come back. Let's rewind. As we rewind, let's come to it. And it says this, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. So the purpose of the Holy Spirit is power to be a witness. It's power to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Bottom line. I notice we see lots of other things, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, uh, miracles, healing. All this is true. All this is wonderful. But the bottom line is this, power to be a witness. And we all need that. Every Christian, we all need that sense. And there gets those times. This is interesting because um, Jesus says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Now, you know the word, well, you might know the word. The word power there literally means, a, it's a, the transliteration of that word means dynamite, can be, could be taken as dynamite. It's a Greek word dynamis, which is the transliteration of it is we get our word dynamite from. But it's much more than that. It means potential for miracles. The word power there is dynamic potential for miracles because Jesus is alive in us. And this is why it says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Sometimes we're more frightened of the devil than we are honoring Jesus. Christians, but because there's power, potential for miracles in our hearts and lives through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. So there's this, he says, you will receive, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, when you're engulfed, when you're filled, when you're immersed, you'll receive power, potential for miracles released in your heart and life. To do what? To be witnesses to be so we will have a power a potential for miracles in our hearts so that we can be so that we can be a christian so that we can be jesus christ so that we can be like jesus christ we we find it a challenge don't we at times we find it hard to forgive somebody we find it hard to get on with something we find life a challenge you might find somebody at work or something but there's a potential to be and so there's this idea of being a witness and that's to continue in Jesus, to be like Jesus. And so we see in the book of Acts a continuation of the works of Jesus 
through the apostles in the early church. They speak, people get converted, there's healings. It's as if Jesus is walking with them. Well, he was and is through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. There's a continuation. It doesn't sort of stop. It continues in the heart and life of the church so that we are called to continue to be like Jesus. And so he says, you will receive power to be, not to just do some stuff, not to do a bit of miracles or to do a bit of speaking in tongues, but to actually be like Christ. Now, this is so important to lay hold of this because this will help us in our work. This will help us with other people. This will help us fight addictions. This will break the power of things that come in our minds and certain things that won't leave our hearts and minds. This will break addiction over our hearts and help us beat certain things and habits that you say die hard. This will help us get on and forgive and get on with someone. This will help us so that we can live and be like Jesus Christ. Power to be. If we just limit it to just speaking in tongues then that's just tip of the iceberg. There's so much more. It's that and so much more, which is quite incredible. So you'll see, you'll be my witnesses to continue in Jesus, to say the things that Jesus says, to do the things that Jesus does, and to be the person that Jesus is. To be the person that Jesus is, to do the things that Jesus does, and to say the things that Jesus wants to say. That's how we will have power to be. What a sort of church will you have if everyone's like that? What sort of world will we have if everyone's like that? People say, where's the miracles? The miracles are in us. The miracles are in you and me, just waiting to be released through our hearts and lives. Jesus said, rivers of living water will burst forth from you and come out of your heart and life. It's not just in the pastor. It's not just in a few worship people. It's not in a few other special prophetic people. It's in the whole body of Christ. Anyone that you will receive power to be. It's amazing. It's incredible. Courage, boldness, illumination, insight, wisdom, and so much more. And so we see there's this idea, there's this understanding that there's, when we're fully immersed in the person and presence of the Holy Spirit, we will receive power to be like him. We won't be little gods. There's only one God. But we shall be like him. Be like him. And so when we're immersed in the Holy Spirit, this, what's it for? There's this idea that we can grow in the fruit and grow in spiritual gifts. And so in Galatians 5, uh, there's this idea of growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They're fruit of the Spirit. I haven't gone down my, well, our garden, I'll talk about our garden. There's not much our garden. It's, it's not a, a, a massive garden, and it's, it hasn't got a lot of plants, really. And Helen told me off the other day for showing some photos with weeds in them still. And I've shown people, and she said, that's not a very good advert for our garden. So I got into trouble the other day. But I don't go down our garden whacking our apple tree saying, come on! Well, it's an apple tree. You don't talk to an apple tree. I'm not Basil Faulty, but I'm not whacking this apple tree saying, come on, apples! And um, they just... Hasn't had any apples yet, this one particular tree that we've got, uh, and this one. But I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful this year. But it um, comes as a natural fruit. And um, to be, this is what Jesus said, so love. So people that are immersed in the Spirit feel a passion for Jesus. There's a lot of talk about passion for Jesus. Get immersed in the Spirit. We, we feel that we love him and love one another. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Patience, I need patience. Um, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things will be, we have power for these things to grow in our hearts and lives. 
so that we can become more like Jesus Christ. And if we are finding it difficult in those areas, which we all do, we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. That's why Jesus said, I won't leave you alone. I'll send a helper, comforter, counselor, one who's going to walk along beside you, just like me. We're going to walk together, and he's going to help you through. Wow. 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 There's nothing too difficult for us. There's no addiction. There's no thing. There's nothing that's beyond the hand of the Holy Spirit because there's potential for miracles in our hearts and through our lives. All we've got to do is get immersed, engulfed, be filled, if fully influenced by him. But not only growth in the fruit, but growth in the spiritual gifts, the supernatural. There's a supernatural dimension. So words of knowledge in 1 Corinthians 12, words of knowledge, wisdom, the gift of faith, gifts of healings. Uh, Gifts of healing, um, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. These are the, and many other supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. They say, well, where are the miracles gone? They're in us. That's why I say, don't wait for revival. You are the revival. The revival's in us. So many people waiting for a revival. But the Holy Spirit came and has come and is coming upon the church. And so he wants to be released through us and in us and amongst us. So these things are given to build the church up, to build up one another. So how can you tell if it's from God? It will will build. It will build the church. A a few people have asked, um, how can you tell if if this is something that that is coming from God? How can you tell that that spiritual gift is from God? How can you tell that that particular gift of tongues is from God? One or two people have asked that question. How do you know that's from God? Well, a couple of things. One, it will point to Jesus all the time. Always honor and glorify Jesus. Secondly, it will build you up. You, you, You will be strengthened in your faith. And thirdly, it will build up others. It will build others up in the church. And fourthly, it will help others find Jesus. That's how you can tell. I've heard um, witches. I've, I knew so, I didn't know someone, but I came across someone that was a witch and spoke in um, tongues. And it was not the gift of tongues that. It was quite different. It was uh, demonic. It was guttural. In other words, it was like as if it was coming out of the person's chest, uh, not not their mouth. They, they weren't speaking out of their mouth. It was coming in the room. And uh, it cut across that way. Rather than honoring God, it was against. It was against. And you could, tell, you could feel. And that was the discerning of spirit. So there's a test to these things. Prophecies. Any prophecy that you hear, it will build you up, build up the church, honor Jesus, point to Jesus, and help point others to Jesus. If there's anything else, and that's how you can tell there's a criteria. There's a, those number of things that help us see. They build up the church. And they build up one another. So there's this idea, Jesus said, that you'll receive power when the Spirit comes. And you'll be baptized, you'll be immersed, fully engulfed, as it were, engulfed by the Spirit, so that you'll know. It's not something that you think, oh, I'm a Christian, so I've been, so there's some people that will teach, I'm a Christian, so you're baptized. That there will be an, there's an experience that you will actually know. You will know there's something that's demonstrable. There's an experience of the Holy Spirit engulfing and it coming out in the fruit it comes out in the fruit, and it comes out in the supernatural gifts. And so both fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit will come out of our lives. I don't know how big the fruit will be in your life. I can't say, and you, and you can't say about me. And, uh, you know, there's none of this, my apples are bigger than your apples, and you've got pears, but, hey, I want bananas or something like that, or I prefer uh, pomegranates. 
Pomegranates? Why I say pomegranates? I haven't got a clue. I don't eat pomegranates. But you, we, we sometimes prefer other things that other people have got. There's none of that. It's just what happens with it, and we've got to be content with that in our own lives and, and trust God in that and go for that and go, and, and go for God um, in that. And so there's this idea then. So the idea of is there, there, there is this baptism. There's a sense of baptism. There's a sense of ex, an experience, but there's a, a continual sense of being filled there's a continual filling. And so Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, be, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And you know the translation. It, it's be being filled with the Spirit. In other words, it could be translated like this. Be continually filled with the Spirit. And so Paul is saying there, don't come under the influence of wine where you just lose everything, but be fully influenced by the person of the Holy Spirit. So be filled fully influenced. And you know, um, now uh, it it always amazes me in Pentecostal churches, we are a Pentecostal church, a charismatic church, we can get used to this. And so a whole bunch of people think to themselves, this just isn't for me. I don't don't need this now. I don't don't need to hear it. And, uh, but uh, what I would say, the thing is, you'll know because the fruit will come out of our lives. And um, the fruit and the gifts come out of our lives. So if we're being fully influenced, we will see the fruit and the gifts. So people say, where's the gifts? I often say to them, they're in you. They're not, they're not all in me. They say, oh, because it's, it's the pastor's role to bring all the gifts and, and do. And uh, you, you, you ever seen a one-man band? You ever seen somebody do the tambourine and the, with the knees and the, the kazoo and the guitar? And they're brilliant. They're, they're good. There's some good one-man bands. There's some brilliant ones. But you can't do that all day. Do that certain times of the day. Comes out through us all, in us all, and out of us all. So there's this idea. So Paul says, be continually filled. It shows it comes out of us. And so there's a, an understanding where you and I are encouraged to, if we've not, like this morning we were saying to people, if you've come from a church background where you've never encountered the Holy Spirit, you've not heard this before, you're not sure, you're not sure if you've been filled with the Spirit, you're not being empowered by the Spirit, then we pray for the filling, the baptism, the filling of the Spirit. And, it, and if we're here this morning and we feel that we've got a bit dried up, like I did in less than four years, I got pretty dried up as a pastor, um, then we need to be continually being filled. Uh, this idea of being influenced, fully influenced, fully immersed. How do we be filled? And then we're going to come and pray. How to be filled? Um, simple, really. Straightforward. It's as simple as that, really. Um, believe, first of all. Um, They were believers. It says on the day of Pentecost, the believers were together. Um, And the Holy Spirit was released and came upon and flowed in their hearts and lives. In actual fact, if you go again and again throughout the book of Acts, you'll see when people believed, uh, then they received. And so belief, it's linked with believing in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. And so if you believe that Jesus is Lord... And you've given him your heart. That, that's, 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 that's a simple criteria. Uh, that's as simple as that. It's not for special chosen people. This is for everyone, every individual. To believe that Jesus is Lord and you give him your heart and life. And believe that this is a gift. I believe. I, I never used to believe this. I was converted in, in a denomination, a group, lovely group of Christians that taught that the Holy Spirit ceased with the apostles. So I, 
I embraced a cessationist teaching initially. So it ceased with the apostles. But as I read the book of Acts and the book of Corinthians, I realized this continued with the apostles. Therefore, it's what I wanted in my life. So I believed in Jesus and I believed in the gift. So we believe. So that's the first thing is to believe. And believe that this is a gift for all. Not for just a few chosen, frozen. But this is a gift for everyone. This is a gift for everyone. A gift for you, a gift for me, a gift for everyone. You know, you're the last one who thinks this is for you. I know when I've gone forward in, in healing times and conferences, I think, oh, this is, oh, you know, it's for them, it's not me and God. But it's just for all, it's for everyone. I believe, I believe it's a gift for all. God is a Father who loves all, loves the whole world. Therefore, his gift is for everyone. It's not for any one individual preferring another. The gift of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. Remember that, the power of the Spirit that then allows us to be released in the gifts of the Spirit, all of the gifts of the Spirit, and all of the fruit of the Spirit, we come back. The power of the, the gift of the Spirit is for everyone. So believe that. Second thing is open your heart and mind. Surrender. The Bible says again and again, humble yourself before God. The word to humble is to surrender your life. Simple as that. Police officer sees you, says, you know, reason to believe. Can I have your keys? So if you're, if you're under the influence of drink, you, would, you surrender your keys. You give your keys of your car over to the, but we surrender, we give the keys of our lives, that's what I'm getting at, the key of my life, my heart, I give it to God. And, you know, as Christians, we, we are challenged to do that again and again. We will be, you'll be challenged with your job, you'll be challenged with another person, you'll be challenged with your husband and wife, we'll be challenged with our children, I'll be ch- challenged in church life. Do you know what? Every month, every week, I feel challenged afresh in our church to give something fresh over to God again, surrender. We, the life of surrender is a pathway that we walk, and that's how we'll know the filling of the Spirit, the, uh, the anointing of the Spirit of God. Lots of people want the anointing, not so many ready to surrender every day, every time. And we're called to open our hearts and minds. If we humble ourselves towards God and come near to him, it says in James, he will come near to you and me. Simple as that. Believe that the gift, believe in Jesus the Lord, believe the gift is for all. Surrender your life. Ask. Third thing is ask. Um, Jesus talks about ask, seek, knock. Uh, we don't can't twist God's arm. It's not like that. But it's just coming to Him with an open heart, a heart of desire. You see, when Jesus will often say to people, "What can I do for you? What do you want?" Not because He didn't know. He was looking for desire. He was looking for a heart that sought Him, that looked for Him. So when you ask, you're focused. And there's this something. There's something about this again and again. Um, in Luke 11, verse 13, if you who are evil, uh, if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We don't have to plead with God. We don't have to twist his arm. But there's this idea of desire. Asking causes desire. And so the key there is believe, surrender. The third thing is de- as desire, a desire to live for God, to know God, to be empowered by God. And so, um, I don't know about you, but um, it's, I'm a Christian, get me out of here. Not, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. It's, I'm a Christian, get me out. I'm quick to run from things. I don't know about you, but sometimes God's called us by the power of the Spirit to stand in something. You know, we live in a world today where everything is, if if it's not going right for me, then it's not God. But you know, some of you have stood through some really challenging times, I'm sure. And it's that that helps us as we just desire for God. Believe, surrender, and desire that we will know the power of the Spirit. And then finally, and with this we'll be closing, finally it says, receive. This is for you. It's a gift. If 
I don't know about I don't know whether you do so, but if I were to go around giving everybody a gift, I mean, generally, everybody would say, well, thank you very much. This is nice. You, you, you'd receive it. You wouldn't go, no, thanks. Well, you might do, I don't know. I don't know many would, would, would receive a gift. Um, but there's this idea of receive, thank. So, so uh, as, we, as we surrender, I found this. Um, because I came from a background that, that said that this wasn't for today, I had this niggly thought, that, and then I didn't think too much of myself because I've been told that I'd never make anything in life. I've told that story sometimes. I had this niggly doubt that I would receive nothing. And yet I decided to believe, to surrender, to desire. And I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in my bedroom, um, outside of the assembly where I met. And it was an amazing power of the Spirit came upon my life. I spoke in tongues three days later, jogging round a park in Camberley in Surrey. I was jogging round the park and I began to speak in tongues. Not immediately. So don't, don't get worried if you don't speak in tongues straight away. But I was filled with a real sense of power, a sense of desire, uh, surrender, and coming before God and believing that it was for me from his word. So when you're doing your daily reading, um, when you're doing your reading each day, I, I encourage, and I've been saying this to people, is pray, Lord, today I give you my heart. I give you my life. My desire is, is for you. I, I want to be filled at work. Uh, filled in my relationship with my children, my, my husband and my wife, my grandkids, my children, uh, uh, my church. If, if we did this, we wouldn't be dismayed. Uh, we wouldn't get, you, you would, well, you would get disillusioned with your pastor, I'm sure, from time to time. But we, we'd have less disillusionment with God and less disillusionment in life because we would know a real sense of the, the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting when Becca shared this morning, she shared about how when she got filled with the Spirit, she really felt a real sense of joy, a, a sense of desire. Um, the Word of God became more alive. There was a sense that the, uh, so there's, there's the fruit of the Spirit there straight away, pointing you to Jesus, the Word of God jumping up the page, and then um, praying with people, and the, mirac- the gifts of the Spirit began to be released as well. All these things will naturally be released in and through our hearts. Corrie Ten Boom, quote, and then we finish. This is us finished now. Amazing lady, Corrie Ten Boom, uh, went through the concentration camp, came out the other side, um, helped smuggle people and away uh, from death. And she wrote a great book. It's called The Hiding Place. She helped people hide. And look at this. Listen to this. This is what she said. Trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. Then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. I said this morning, we're filled up so we can flood the world. We're filled up so that we can flood the world. You know, we sing, fill us up and send us out. On the day of Pentecost, they were so filled that they burst out of the church doors or the room that they were in, the room doors that they were in, and they flooded the world around them. I sometimes think that, you know, sometimes in church, we can come to church week after week, day after day, we can serve in a certain ministry. We can do a certain job. You might be at work and you're finding it tedious. You're finding it hard work. You might be studying, finding it, uh, uh, you know, you're feeling dried up. Uh, life can get tedious. Uh, sometimes things do sap our strength. But she says, trying to do the Lord's work, trying to live life and do things in your own strength is most confusing and exhausting and tedious of all work. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. Jesus said this, In John's Gospel, 
He said, come to me, drink of me. He says, rivers of living water would flow out. When I read Corrie Ten Boom's, that quote there about the Holy Spirit just flowing out of you, becoming a flow, I thought immediately of Jesus' words when he said, rivers of living water will flow out of your life. Let's pray together. A.W. Tozer said, the Holy Spirit is not a luxury, not something added now and again to produce a deluxe type of Christian once in a generation. No, he is for every child of God a vital necessity and that he will indwell his people is more than a languid hope. It is rather an inescapable imperative. Holy Spirit, we love you. Father God, we love you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you said that we shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we shall be your witnesses. We come to you right now, this evening, right at this moment, opening up our hearts and minds to you. And we just pray that you will fill us afresh. For Perhaps tonight, for some of us, it's for the first time. We've either gone to a church or come from a church background where, or we've been in a church where we've never come to that point in our lives where we say, I need you, Jesus, fresh in my heart and life with the power of your presence so that I can live for you with renewed vigor, strength, courage, boldness, be released in fresh fruit and move in the supernatural power of your spirit. And so I ask you to fill me. I ask you to fill me afresh. I surrender my heart and life to you. I give you the keys of my heart. Every circumstance I place in your hands. I choose to believe that you are Lord. I want you to be Lord of my life. I believe, I choose to believe that the gift of the Spirit is for everyone. And it's a gift for me too. Fill me afresh, I pray, in your name. And perhaps we're here tonight. We're a Christian and we're feeling dried up burnt out, snuffed out perhaps. Sometimes the flame can get snuffed out by disappointment. Sometimes it can be just that we've just become used to things. So we pray, Holy Spirit, they'll be filled afresh. We understand that we are to be continually filled, influenced. And so we ask you, Father God, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, to just flood and be released in our lives afresh. Would you fully influence my heart, my mind, my decisions, my relationships, my heart and life right now? Would you just be released in fresh power, I ask? As I read your word, Father, make it jump out of the page to me anew. I pray that as I pray, my my life will take on a fresh sense of meaning. In my life, as I live for you, uh, that I won't be fearful of, of that which you call me to speak up and speak out. I will know a fresh sense of power, boldness, courage in my heart and life. Joy and love. Be continually. We want to be. I want to be continually filled. As a church, we pray for something fresh, Father God, to be released in us, through us, and amongst us, and into the community around us, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name we ask. Amen. Amen. I wonder, Steve, can we sing Spirit of the Living God, Fall Afresh on Us? And uh, forgive me for pouncing on you, Steve, but while Steve comes, let's um, stretch our legs together. We're going to sing this together. And uh, as we've prayed, let's just respond in our hearts. Perhaps for some of us, it's for the first time. Perhaps for some of us, it's to just be renewed, restored, refreshed, as it were. And I would say, when you've got your opportunity, you're reading the word of God for yourself. 
Make that your prayer. Fill me afresh, Lord Jesus. Amen.